Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. I'm Paris Hilton, and this is Trapped in Treatment, a weekly podcast of shocking survivor experiences and stories from an industry plagued by controversy. With my hosts, Caroline Cole and Rebecca Mellinger, we will uncover the truth of one teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bella Hadid opened up about how working with Victoria's Secret affected her body image. Madonna called out 50 Cent for age shaming her on Instagram. And we're talking with psychotherapist Clay Cockrell, who specializes in treating the ultra wealthy. It's December 6th, 2021. friends, I'm Shiloh Watson. And I'm Krista Torres. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So Casey is out today, but Krista is here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We can. I'm excited to talk about some stuff. <laughs> yes. So did you hear over the weekend that there's a petition literally calling for Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith to not be interviewed anymore? Like they have spent the past several weeks just like oversharing about their sex life about like drugs they've done like it's not cute and the internet is fed up it already has like eighteen thousand signatures yeah i actually just clicked on it before this because i was reading it too i saw it and it's up to twenty thousand now and oh my gosh are brutal <laughs> in the comments but i will say for the past several months i feel like every headline i see is something new about their sex life and i'm like okay you know the most recent one was something about will smith saying something about her sex scene to, to the grandma. It's just, it's, it's a lot. So like no one really wants to know this. It's very much oversharing. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of oversharing. And you would be surprised in the comments of, you know, the articles, it's people being like, hey, can we make a petition for uh, Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell too? And there's just so many people that are like, actually, can we, can we have all of these celebrities Stop oversharing yeah, like, everything. No one really wants to know. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the showering saga. Remember when everyone was talking yes. about? Oh yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Ashton Kutcher doesn't shower, so it's like okay, I, I don't want to know that, and I'm I'm sad that I know that now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, moving on. In an interview with Marie Claire, Bella Hadid talked about having to unlearn the, quote, toxic views about femininity or sexiness instilled in her during her time at Victoria's Secret. She said, quote, my life for so many years revolved around only working and how I was going to lose that weight for one of those shows. Now I just am who I am. And I don't need to change for anybody else. Even when I see things online about people talking about my body or the way it fluctuates or this or that. 
Earlier this year, Bella also said that it wasn't until she walked in a Savage X Fenty show that she felt sexy or powerful modeling lingerie on a runway, at which point she'd already walked in three Victoria's Secret shows. Uh, You know, this is a topic that I feel like, you know, should have been talked about long ago. And it's sad that we're still discussing, you know, these types of feelings and body image and stuff like that. And, you know, we're going into 2022 and this is still an issue. And it's just, I'm glad she's speaking up about it. And I really hope that like changes do start to be made, but it'll just like time will, you know, have to show if stuff actually happens for Victoria's Secret and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I know we've always talked about like models having to lose weight and be skinny to walk the runway. And like she's someone who has done like a lot of underwear walks, you know, on the runway. And to say that she didn't feel comfortable all of those times until she did the Savage X Fenty show is I can't imagine like for your work being that uncomfortable Every time you have to do something, that's horrible. It is. And she um, was also, you know, talking about how, you know, she is being a part of talks with Victoria's Secret to make changes and different things like that. So I really hope that that does change. But yeah, it's just awful. And it's awful that she had to keep it bottled up for so long. Like, oh, it's frustrating. (laughs) It is. It definitely is. So um, in other news, Madonna recently put 50 Cent on blast after he criticized her for reposting a series of photos of herself. The photos which Madonna had reposted after the originals were taken down by Instagram showed her in lingerie in her bedroom. In a now-deleted post, 50 Cent shared some of the photos with this caption. That's Madonna under the bed trying to do Like a Virgin at 63. She shot out if she don't get her old ass up. Madonna shot back by posting a photo of the two of them together at MTV, writing, quote, I guess your new career is getting attention by trying to humiliate others on social media. The least elevated choice you could make as an artist and as an adult. She added, quote, you're just jealous you won't look as good as me or have as much fun when you are my age. 50 Cent has since apologized on Twitter, writing, quote, okay, I'm sorry. I did not intend to hurt your feelings. I don't benefit from this in any way. I don't love this, but I also really like that he apologized. I feel like most people would just brush this under the rug or be like, oh, you were too sensitive, blah, 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 and like belittle her feelings. But what really possessed him to look at a photo of Madonna and then repost it and then criticize it? Like, what is going through your mind where you're like, this will be funny and a good idea? And she is an icon. Like, aside from the fact of everything else, it's like what, you know, and she posted a photo of them together. So it's like, he clearly knows her. It's like, you wouldn't even do this to, you know, you shouldn't be saying this about a stranger, let alone someone who's your, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, they're not pals, buddies, but they, you know, have worked together like in the careers. Met this person. Yes. Right. And, you know, like not only is this ageist, but I also feel like this is sexist because if a 63 year old man posted a photo like this, no one would be calling him out. Like they would be like, oh, you look so good. But like because Madonna's a woman, she's immediately being criticized. Immediately. And I wish we could somehow show the photos, but she looks amazing. Like, Oh, the, I have no doubt. She's totally Madonna. besides the point. <laughs> totally besides the point. But yeah, why even write something like that to begin with? And I think even in his apology, he said something like, I was just tweeting what I was thinking. And it's like, why were you even thinking that? You know, like, it just shows, you know, like what, what are ingrained in people's minds and like what why do you have a thought process like that and think, oh yeah, maybe I should blast this on the internet and just blatantly criticizing someone? It, it just doesn't make sense at all. And no. to say like, get her old ass up. It's like, okay, come right. on. Put on Madonna for calling him out too. Yeah. 
Exactly. And and on different levels too. She's like, okay, I thought we were friends, but also she had to, you know, throw in her last jab, like, well, you just won't look as good as me, which amen. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so if you're a fan of HBO Succession, then you probably have the same love-hate relationship with the Roy family that we do. They're arguably the most dysfunctional family ever depicted on screen, all due to their incredibly high net worth and social status. Well, it turns out that this is pretty accurate to real life. Today, we're talking with psychotherapist Clay Cockrell, who specializes in treating the ultra-wealthy. Hi, Clay. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Good to be here. So we are so excited to chat with you. But before we get into everything, would you mind explaining what it is exactly you do for our audience? Well, I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm a psychotherapist and I work with ultra high net worth individuals. And how did you end up specializing in treating the 1%? Well, it's it's an odd story. About um, 20 years ago, a little over, I started a private practice and I do something a little unusual that instead of uh, meeting a client in my office, I walk with them in Central Park to walk and talk. I think better on my feet. I think a lot of people do. And it's just a little bit more active than, you know, sitting two people in a room. So... Because of that, I think it was very attractive, this this out-of-the-box approach, the kind of an unusual approach. It was very attractive to uh, a few entrepreneurs, uh, some CEOs, and my name got passed around a very small group of people that I was someone who could work with people with wealth, with resources, and uh, not bring a lot of judgment a lot of negativity. I've had a lot of clients say, you know, my previous therapist didn't quite understand what my problems are. Uh, For example, this one woman had a $40,000 a month budget that her husband put her on and he was worth tens of millions of dollars, but she was running uh, multiple households and staff on $40,000 a month. And her previous therapist said, well, you should just be glad that's that's more money than most people have and and not recognizing that this was this was a struggle for this woman so i tend to think problems are problems even if they are and i hear this phrase a lot first world problems they're still problems and so i approach the counseling session like that and one by one more and more people found me and all of a sudden i've got a practice working with uh, some very wealthy people wow That's awesome. So what would you say is like a common thread between most of the patients that you treat? Money is hard to talk about. Uh, Some people are more likely to talk about their sex lives than their bank accounts. It's private. And there's a lot of uh, shame. There's a lot of guilt. There are issues of isolation because it's, it's difficult sometimes to relate to people who don't have the resources that some of my clients do. And so each client is different. They come to the table with, with different issues, but there's some, some commonality that I've noticed in this population mm-hmm. and, and differences too. And, and I like to think that there, there are two groups of people within this larger group. One is people who were born into wealth, generational wealth. Their family have, has had wealth for, for generations and they are familiar with that world. They have the vocabulary, they know the culture. And sometimes they're protected because they have a history of how to do things wrong by you know the parents or grandparents. And then you have a different group where the money is new and they're not quite so familiar with the challenges that 
come along with it. So within those two groups, there's, there's a lot of uh, similarity, but there's a lot of differences too. Right. And when we talk about those like similarities and differences, like are there specific issues that you see that patients will consistently deal with kind of like an underlying basis? I know you said there's differences and, you know, similarities, but is there something that's kind of like underlying in every person that you um, treat? Sure. Several. Here's a, here's a few that come to mind. A lack of trust. If you look around your your friends, uh, even within your family, and you don't know if they are in a relationship with you because of who you are or because of what you bring to the table. So there is a difficulty in building relationships that has that fundamental foundation of, of trust. There's, there's always suspicion there. And, and that can eat away at a person where, you know, their, their self-esteem is, is not there because they feel like people only like them. People only hang out with them because of either their celebrity or their wealth. And, and that's hard. That's very isolating. Another issue that comes to mind is that there is a lot of jealousy and anger coming from, um, you know, you and I, uh, non-wealthy people toward what they have. So they live with that every day. Uh, it's interesting. I've, I've gotten some media attention recently because I, I wrote this article for The Guardian. And it was remarkable how much anger I received from, you know, just commenters of how uh, these people should all die. Uh, I should die with them. And that uh, the, the problems of the world are all related to them. Death threats just for talking about the wealthy people. And so they live with this all the time, just an underlying anger toward them. And sometimes it's, it, you know, maybe justified that they're not spending their money well, or, um, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just a lot of anger coming, coming toward them. And even, you know, just even when you're talking about that too, I've seen, um, kids who are born into, you know, like generational wealth where, They've even shared their stories on TikTok where they're like, I'm struggling because people are like, you know, well, you didn't do that on your own because you were born and and they're like, yeah, I may have had the monetary resources, but everything, you know, that I did is on my own. So I've even seen people, you know, kids sharing their story, like not kids, but you know what I mean? Like young adults and teens sharing their stories about, you know, experiencing that. So it is a, a definitely a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, we'll be right back with more from Clay Cockrell. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. 
Listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thursday, February 10th. Kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022 delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. Welcome back. We're talking with psychotherapist Clay Cockrell, who specializes in treating the ultra-wealthy. So, like you mentioned, you wrote a piece for The Guardian comparing some of your patients to the Roy family from Succession. How accurate would you say that depiction is? Oh, um, (laughs) you know, they are uh, heightened and dramatized for television. And um, they've done a really good job with it. I've, I've watched a few of the episodes just because I was asked to write this this article and, and I had already begun to watch it. But it's when you work all day with uh, this population, I don't necessarily want to go home at night and watch a television program about it. So um, it's like I would imagine you would not want to watch a television program about podcasting or journalism. (laughs) Uh, It's just boring after a while. But I think that they have created characters that are engaging and and dangerous and foul. (laughs) It's just Mm. awful. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's for television. So not not super accurate, but there's some, some truth in there. So can you tell me, like, what are just a few of the things you think the show gets right? And what are some of the ones that are, like, completely off base? Well, what they do get right is is how wealth can be very toxic within a family dynamic. Right? I mean, there you've got this... this uh, uh, father that has created this media empire and the children were, were were brought up with this wealth and they're all fighting for a piece of the pie and they're fighting against each other and and the the way he pits them against one another is I, I have not seen that in in my day-to-day practice but um, but they do get this this jealousy and and fighting and the toxicity within a family. And uh, who got a little bit more at Christmas and who, you know, is getting a little bit more favor. And, and you could probably see that in most family dynamics. But when you add in wealth, uh, it just magnifies everything. And, and they also get right. I'm, I'm fascinated to watch the characters interact with people outside their circle outsiders, whether it be a waiter or uh, a receptionist or uh, just someone that works with them or a driver, there is a nonchalant, not necessarily treating them as not human, but certainly not interacting with them on an equal basis. And and that can, I, I've seen that. And, and I think that they're, they're not always aware how they treat others that are outside their circle. But this is particularly in the show, they've been surrounded by staff, whether it's pilots or chefs or whatever, their entire life. These people are employees. And so they're very used to dealing with others in in that manner. Interesting. Now, I know you were talking about wealth a lot, and I've had a people who have, you know, in the comments of articles, I'm, I've written um, as a writer at BuzzFeed, people are like, you know, what is the difference between like being 
well, having wealth and just being really rich. How would you say like you could describe that to people just, you know, um, in a basic terms? When you were ultra high net worth, you can't spend all the money. You just can't. Your job is to manage the money, to preserve the money. Uh, there's a lot of fear in this population that maybe one day it will all go away. And uh, there is obviously a sense of there's there's never enough sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, rich people can go on vacations, they can buy nice houses, but they're always uh, looking at, um, you know, what the next rung up is. And once you're at the level of the people that I'm working with, there, there are no more rungs. <laughs> they are, they are at the top of the top. And, 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 you know, sometimes there's a degree of boredom that comes with that and, and a lack of ambition because, uh, they've got everything in the world. They've seen all the sights of the world. And so there's a, there's a boredom with life. So people who say things like, you know, I don't feel bad for billionaires. I imagine, you know, like people are saying that every day. They're like, well, yeah, but still you don't ever have to deal with this whole list of problems I have to deal with. What would you say to those people? What's your message for the people, you know, that have that mentality? I get it. I do. I think that we bought into the idea that if we make a little bit more money, our life will be easier. And to a certain degree, that's true. But once you get to this level, uh, and so when we see people way, way above us on the socioeconomic scale, and they're still struggling, it's like, well, what am I working so hard for? Because if I get there, I'm still going to have problems. I don't want those people that I'm trying to, to get to, I don't want them to be having problems because I know I wouldn't have problems. My particular issues would be solved with X amount of money. But those people are humans, and there is a particular set of, of issues that come along with wealth that you and I don't have to deal with. And thank God we don't, quite frankly, because it is complicating. It is toxic. It is, it is, there's a lot of ease to their life, but there's a lot of problems to their life too. So I, I get the idea that uh, there's a lot of anger toward them, but um, I think they're, they're, they're fascinating people. They are humans. They are, they are struggling and, and it can be hard. I, I once told a friend, uh, if you have an enemy in the world, such a, a nemesis, buy them a lottery ticket because on the off chance that they win, it will ruin their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I've never heard that before. That is great. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> Um, okay. So finally, I know obviously every patient is different and like their particular situation, but what is it that you tell billionaires or like the ultra wealthy to do to make themselves happier or more well-adjusted? Is there any like through line piece of advice that you give your patients? Well, as you say, you know, everybody's different and everyone's struggling in a different way, but so many people that I work with are, are looking for purpose a reason to get up in the morning. And, and when we find that, then life becomes more manageable. And, and a lot of the purpose is, is philanthropy of, of using your resources to make the world a little better and having something that you believe in because the people that I work with don't just want to write a check. They want to impact change. They want to, you know, they, they, they were born with certain resources and they want to invest that 
in the world. And that gives them uh, purpose and, and a reason to get up in the morning. And the other thing that, that I work with them is that when, when you, if you're struggling with, with your, with your money, with your resources, there is, there is shame, there's embarrassment. When you get to a place of confidence and you own what you have and your life, the warts and all, then other people are more comfortable with it too. So it's, it's becoming more comfortable with your bank account, with your story. This is what I have. I may not have earned it. Maybe I did earn it, but this is my reality and letting other people uh, struggle with their own relationship with that. But once you get used to it, then, then it just becomes easier for other people. Honestly, I feel like that's good advice, no matter how much money you have. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Clay, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, it's okay not to share every thought that runs through your mind. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you go for your podcasts. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of the biggest stories on BuzzFeed coming to you daily. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. The new year is a great time to reset your relationship with your emotions. We all experience things that don't feel so good. Stuff like sadness, anxiety, burnout, and guilt. But in 2022, I want to help you look at these emotions in a new light. I'm Dr. Laurie Santos. In the new season of my podcast, The Happiness Lab, I'll show you that the path to happiness actually involves embracing your negative emotions and listening to the important things they have to say. So listen to The Happiness Lab in the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And break us off with some bread because we waiting on reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 